All right. Ballet train. That's it. I'll never stop making that joke. I know. <laughs> it's been a while, Dad. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I'm Austin Rude and I'm the son. And I'm Phil Rude. I'm the dad. Every week we watch a movie and then we get on the mic and we talk about it. It's a good way to sum up what we do. That is what we do. That's what we've done for five seasons and we are kicking off our sixth right now. That's right. Starting now. Okay. Uh, This is our double feature season. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I am too. This is kind of our experiment uh, to see if we can mm-hmm. put together a, a a few good sets of movies that would pair well together. Right. So for those who don't know, one of us picks one movie and then the next person is going to pick like a movie that goes with that. they think is the that. complement to that movie. Uh, right. Yeah. And we're going to keep flip-flopping on that uh to come up with some good pairings yeah some good pairings some good wine and food pairings um yeah so uh this week kicking off season six you started it you Mm -hmm. have the top half of this double feature that's right um and at the end of the episode i will tell you what I think is going to be a good compliment to this movie. So, I'm excited to find out what you picked, because uh, I don't know yet. Nope, it's a, it's, it's a big surprise, and I still have a dark horse possibility bouncing around in my head, but... Alright, alright. I'm 90% sure of what I'm going to go with. Alright. Um, uh, but we are, this week, we are talking about, in case, in case any of our listeners didn't um, look at the title of this episode... That's right. To see what uh, we would be talking about. Why don't you tell the people what we want? Let me explain it to those of you illiterate folk out there. Uh, no, no judgment. I'm it's a very serious problem in America. It's true. Uh, regardless, uh, we're kicking off our season with a movie that came out last year, and I was really excited about it, and we just didn't have time to cover it, and that's Bullet Train. Uh, so Bullet Train is a really fun action movie that follows an unlucky assassin codenamed Ladybug, as he attempts to collect a briefcase aboard a high-speed bullet train in Japan. What starts out as a simple grab-and-go mission quickly sucks Ladybug into a much bigger feud between powerful underground criminal organizations. That's the best summary I got for this movie without spoiling anything. So, uh, yeah. And without further ado, Bullet Train has a lot of big names in it, so let's go. It's got Brad Pitt as Ladybug, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Tangerine, Brian Tyree Henry as Lemon, Joey King as The Prince, Zazie Beetz as The Hornet, mm-hmm. Bad Bunny as The Wolf, Michael Shannon as The White Death, Hiroyuki Sonata as The Elder, Sandra Bullock as Maria, and The Water Bottle playing himself uh bullet train is based off a book of the same name by koataro isaka sure uh and the movie was written by david leach and zach olam okiewicz i'm gonna say okiewicz that's, uh, that's a good guess really hard polish names can never yeah. pull them together uh a lot of z's that's a lot right of consonants in a row yeah. Yes, uh, so that pair wrote it, and it was directed by David Lynch. Not David Lynch, David Sorry. Leach. Leach, uh, yes. Very, very uh, different. Both directors, this movie, I mean, come this on. This movie would be off the hook if this was a David Lynch movie. Now, now that's what I want it to have been. <laughs> <laughs> if only. I, uh... uh <laughs> Quick sidebar, I just watched Eraserhead for the first time in my life. Uh, Very early David Lynch movie. Okay. And it was maybe the single weirdest experience of my entire life. That crazy, huh? That movie is bizarre. Uh, But I'm better for having watched it. I I enjoyed it, even though I'm not 100% sure what I watched. But yeah. Yeah. 
That's David Lynch. This, totally different. David Leach. David Leach. Um, yeah, where do you, where do you want to start with this? Uh, we want to talk about cast. Do we want to talk about uh, uh, stuntman turned director? Well, David I, Leach? I, I think that's a good place to start because it kind of sets. It explains the mood. It explains a lot of, it, about. It this really movie. does. Yes. Uh, so David Leach, if those of you who don't know, uh, he was a stunt performer and kind of coordinator and. He uh, worked on the John Wick movies, and he's kind of uh-huh. worked his way up since then. Uh, he's done a lot of movies. Uh, he was a co-director of John Wick. He was not just a, oh, he, a stunt he wasn't performer. The, oh. um, he was a co-director and kind of co-creator of that franchise. I, I thought he was the full director. No, um, it's him and another guy who I think was also a stunt performer. I think these guys like go back to the Matrix with okay. Keanu Reeves uh, and, and stuff like that. And they've done uh, Deadpool 2. Uh, he's uh, done Deadpool 2, yes. Atomic Blonde, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, a Fast and Furious movie? Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw. Did they do Hobbs and Shaw? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, Deadpool 2, Atomic Blonde. Um, the short, the Deadpool short. I think mm-hmm. that was like a... Uh, was that a proof of... Oh, no, this was later. Anyway. Oh. Yeah, and uh, and uh, uncredited director of of John Wick. And apparently he was a producer on that new Violent Night movie. Okay, yeah, that, that... sounds about right. Uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, this guy is a, a stuntman. Uh, he's, he's stunt doubled for Brad Pitt like nine times or something like that, going like way back to like Fight Club and stuff like that. That's really cool. Which is, I think, why Brad Pitt is in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it explains a lot about like um, how a lot of the names that are in this movie came to be in this movie. Like this well, guy when you've worked with all these people. Obviously you know, made connections over. You can kind of call in those favors. For sure. For like 20 years. And, you know, obviously good relations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk about like John Wick, like Keanu Reeves was one of those uh, rare guys who like really appreciated that film is collaborative, you know, and, uh, I think he ended up giving like half of his Matrix salary to uh, the CGI artists and stunt crew that made him. They're like half of this performance is these guys, and wow. he like uh, he really cool. took care of people. And and I think it's sort of like that kind of thing of cementing like good relationships with people. Mm-hmm. I think has uh, led David Leach to make this movie, uh, and. I, I have a lot of thoughts about, like, the quality of storytelling in this movie. Right. Um, and, and the fact that you can sort of tell that was not his um, forte in his Hollywood career so far. I think this movie's crazy fun. But I think above anything else, it is just a showcase for stunt performing and fight choreography. I, I think that's fair, which yeah. Is, which is great. It's great at doing that, because I think that's what John Wick is as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is, like, more fun than John Wick. All right, good. I, I, I couldn't tell where you stood with no, no, this no, no, movie. No, 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 This movie's I... got a lot of problems. But at the end of the day, it's mostly really, really fun. I would say right up until the very end, where it just goes full stupid. <laughs> like but the rest of this movie i i think is is really fun i really had a good time watching this movie okay i'm i'm glad you liked it then yeah i i, I, would, I would watch this movie again i wasn't yeah. sure it it is a bit of a simple plot it's a little stupid in I, some I parts i think simple plots are great because but, you can build a lot on top of a simple plot to make it entertaining yeah and yeah. and i think that's what this movie is uh i i kind of as I was thinking about it, I realized that it is a lot like a murder mystery. It's kind of like Glass Onion. It's a whodunit, and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like we're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on here. 
what role each character plays. We're going through these big set pieces, right? It's Everybody's all these... after the briefcase. Why does everybody want the briefcase? Right. It's Who's... all these different motivations. Right. Uh, so I thought that was really cool because uh, it kept my attention that way. But I think the downside of that is that ultimately um, none of it matters. Like nothing matters in this movie. The briefcase doesn't matter. Um the the two guys who were sent to get the sun that doesn't matter like none of it matters it just like sure at the very like, end of the day Michael Shannon goes up and shows up and is like oh, I just wanted to kill you all and like it's like oh okay so this other this solution that has not been hinted at so far in the entire rest of the movie just comes out of nowhere to solve everything to solve all the questions. You know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. a, a, a deus ex machina that just kind of comes out of nowhere. And then it becomes like this duel of these two old guys. I, I don't know. Cause I feel like it kind of fits. It like, fits. I, it fits. Yes. I think it doesn't come out of nowhere. It, it is kind of convenient. Like it's, it's convenient. Oh, yes. That's what a but, ex machina is. It's not that it doesn't fit. It's a, but you know, I think it was foreshadowed and like, there's, Okay. There's yeah, it's, cut scenes it's and it yeah. comes back around. I, I don't know. I like that this kind of shows one story from like a bunch of different perspectives and like how it affected people. It's got a little Rashomon to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just becomes one of those things where when people say like, uh, or if you, you go, if you start to think about it, the movie falls apart and people just go, well, just don't think about it. It's like, no, no, it's a, it's a, film it's a movie it's a piece of art you're supposed to think about it's supposed to have some kind of impact on you to where you know like i understand this is just a fun stunt movie but like you gotta put a you gotta put something into the plot like i I get it's very character driven and, and i think most of the characters are good enough to to pull it off you know like right it's it's fun to follow I, I think Brad I find it this train. interesting because, like, each character kind of has their own story going on. And then, like, you get all these cut scenes. So I'm, like, never bored because we're always, like, flip-flopping between all these different things. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right that together I, it I kind of is this I think there's a few too many uh, cut scenes and a few too many flashbacks. And, there are, and, and yeah. I think this movie goes on about 20 minutes too long. Okay. But, and I, I just think a lot of that stuff is just fat that could have, you could have made this a tight 90 minutes, and I think it would have been a lot, a lot less of a drag. Well, well, thinking of, like, the characters in this, like, you could easily cut that poisonous lady out of oh, this yeah. for, yeah, the for hornet, no reason. The hornet like, is in there for no reason at yeah. all. Like, except just to introduce the poison. Which could have been uh, which could, anybody, Bad Bunny's anybody, job. Exactly. Like, anybody you, could have brought that poison We could have combined characters here. Yes. But, you know. Um, uh, you know, Tangerine and Lemon didn't need to be two different characters. Oh, but I love but they, Tangerine but they and work Lemon. But they work as a duo. Yeah. Um, there's a... I don't know. I feel like some some a lot of characters are there just to do one thing. Like the mm-hmm. the son who who's... Uh, or the guy whose son is in the hospital. Yes. Like, he's there just to do one thing. And he has, like, the most emotional arc of anybody. He's, the like, kind of the most interesting character. And he doesn't really do very much. He's a very passive character. In terms of the Like, plot. the story right. happens to it, him. Yes. Um, and stuff like that. So it's just sort of like, these are all things that I'm I'm kind of nitpicking a movie that doesn't probably deserve to be nitpicked. But I'm doing it in terms of, like, this is David Leach, who, uh, who is a stuntman, who now makes movies. But really, like, I think some of the intricacies of storytelling kind of just aren't his forte. He's just, he's more okay, focused yeah. on, let me put this movie together that has uh, uh, a bunch of great fight choreography. Mm-hmm. And... There are a lot of really fun fights and a lot of. It's cool, a very cool, like just to very, look very at. Very stylized looking fights, um, but it just it lack it lacks 
Uh, a movie I'll compare it to, and this is not my double feature movie, though I did consider oh. it. A movie I will compare it to is The Raid. The Raid is basically just a showcase for fighting. But The Raid also has a story to mm-hmm. it. And at the end of the movie, there's a reveal um, that has a lot of emotional weight to it. And you understand what this whole thing has been about. And you're invested in this main character. And there's a huge payoff that makes that entire movie more than just the fighting that it's been showcasing. And I don't feel like that ever happens with this one. This is just a lot of fighting. It's a lot of fun to watch. But there's no... Like, I don't latch on to any of these characters. Like, Like, they're fun to hang out with. But it's like, I don't really care what happens i don't care who dies i don't care who lives it's just sort of like i think that's a focus issue because like this movie never picks one character as like the main character i would say brad like, pitt is pretty close to being the main i character. i would say he he's a good like view entry point kind of character right. which is what they make him out to be but then there's also uh the the man whose son is in the hospital and he's also kind of, the he actually character. has, I think the, the most interesting character. Arc. I think he would be a better point of view. I do. I do for as us well. To and I think, I think that's a big flaw of this movie is that the character with the most interesting story, the one with the most emotional arc for us to latch onto and care about is He's playing second or even third fiddle to the twins and to Brad Pitt. And Brad, you kind of feel like Brad Pitt is the focus of this just because he's the biggest movie star who's cast in this movie. And it's almost like distracting from, uh, from what is, I think, more important in this movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think Brad Pitt is great in this no, movie. No, I, I get what you're saying. He easily like, could have just phoned this in, and I don't think he's doing that. I think he's having a lot of fun with this. It's such a and I think hilarious his character is really funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the pacifist <laughs> assassin, he's, he's sort of like, like uh, in all the new age self help yeah. uh, kind of stuff. Uh, if you've ever uh, talked to people who are in like program, who are in like twelve step programs mm-hmm. and stuff like that, he like talks the way someone who's like really all oh, hurt when they beat him up on the on the platform he goes hurt people hurt people yes. it's the funniest thing um he, he's like look look up the book learning to live with bpd you'd really man, help them. making uh, book recommendations it's, it's really great. he's really great in this role but that's the problem is he shouldn't be the main character mm-hmm. he should be like the comic relief character, which there sure. are several of it's in this movie. Almost too many. Uh, <laughs> Some would say too many comic relief But uh, I, I also want to talk about, like, there's this, I don't know what to call it, like, kind of the moral here. Uh, this theme of Everybody luck. sucks. Uh, well, sure, but... But I like this theme running through the movie about luck, and I wish it was almost there a little bit more, because it's like... Kind of in passing. Well, that's that's my issue with it as well, is that it's presented as though it's a theme, but they don't really commit to it enough. It's, it's just there enough to where when something happens that the script needs to happen, they can go, see, it's luck. And, and the sad thing is, I think it was meant to be there. Because, like... I think it was, too. Like, it just kind of got overshadowed, and it's the really important bit to this movie, because, I mean, we've got Brad Pitt, who, uh, he's this character who thinks he's unlucky, he's... Right. He reads everything that happens to him as, oh, this is bad luck, but he always gets where he needs to be. By sheer luck. Yes. Compared with the prince, who she thinks that she's this super lucky person, but her quote-unquote luck is leading her straight to her death essentially like to her doom because all these things have to go right for her in order for the most profound wrong thing to happen to her it's it's the most elaborate um portrayal of daddy issues that i've 
probably ever seen in a movie like this. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. that's her whole thing is she's mad at her dad. Yeah. Like... Which is kind of funny in its own respect. It's funny, but it's also just sort of like, really? That's what this was all about? But, like, no, I get it. Um, There's what you said about it was supposed to be there. Um, I felt that way, too, when they, when the Elder, like, explains to Ladybug, like, what the meaning of Ladybug is. Like, Mm -hmm. the Ladybug carries all the bad luck uh, so that everyone else can live in peace. And... That never shakes out in the movie where no. Brad Pitt, by that logic, should have been the sacrificial lamb that let everybody else live. And instead, like, he's like, none of that plays out that way. It has nothing to do with how the rest of the movie plays out. And that's where I'm saying, like, they want this to be a theme. They present it as though it's a theme, but it's not. It's just mm-hmm. a plot device. Or, or a, a, a plot loophole, almost. I, I think it's probably better done in the book version, which I, I didn't know existed until this morning. I didn't know that morning. existed either. It uh, seems like an odd thing to make a book out of, but, like, I get it. Like, this could be a cool paperback. Or it could be that this is insanely dumbed down and made into a more of an action movie as opposed right. to like some this sort is an of, insane spy thriller it, book it that's really, really good and like, then it's just like i mean it's like you you get into that uh, when you hear a lot of um movies that you didn't know were based on books like die hard mm-hmm. and and things like that that are like oh wow really and it's like well yeah but it's mostly just this core concept is the thing that's it's very vaguely that's taken, based right? yeah um but yeah, there's a uh, there's just a non-commitment to things like that that sort of irritate me about, it's, it's about trying this to, movie. I, I don't think it's a non-commitment, but it's like committing to too much. They they just didn't know when to phone it in or when the no, editing, I, what to focus on, like yeah, what gets I, more screen time. I don't want to call it, it a non-commitment. Worked. I think they wanted to commit to it. They just didn't know how to follow it up. Yeah. There's a lot of things here that this... That they don't commit to, like the, um, the man who was shot by, uh, uh, what's his name? Was it? Or, I think it was uh, Lemon. Lemon. Yeah, Lemon sh- shot him, and then he's alive, with no explanation of how he survived that. And so is Lemon too. Lemon like, is because, but they brought up a a, a vest earlier, and that yeah. that made sense. But, uh. And the elder goes, my son is alive. And it's like, how would you even know that? And he knew where they were. And he's he's a wise old Asian man. They, dad. they did you show after he was shot, like he has blood on him. He was gut shot. And I'm like, how is like, and it never came back and said, this is how this happened. And I'm I think that like, was a luck thing. Like we're, we're kind of just meant to take for that's granted. That's so lazy that though. That's such was, a, nobody... Everything about that character, and this is the part that irritated me about it the most, was that this is the one character that we're pulling for emotionally. This is the one Mm -hmm. character with real stakes. And he sacrificed himself to save his son. Like, he said, I'm I'm the guy. You know, Mm -hmm. when they did the close your eyes game. Yeah. He he knew what was going to happen and he he sacrificed himself. Well, then he's just magically alive. So it's like, it's like the end of Harry Potter. It's like the end of all of these things where they just magically bring somebody back to life. And it's like the whole point of the sacrifice is now moot because like, because they didn't sacrifice themselves. I, they were given a magic loophole that they crawled back out of. I personally, I, I kind of like it. I kind of don't, but I, I know the trope you're talking about, like, I kind of like the idea of like, oh, you didn't know there was going to be a reward when you did it, no, so no, you I still did this out of the goodness the, the, of your heart, and that's being there. rewarded. The intention but, was there, but know, still, I, 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 I think for the shock value of the scene where he gets shot alone, like there should be a payoff. There was a great emotional baggage to that. Um, in watching it, I was like, oh my god, that's actually really a really shocking move to kill this character we were introduced to at the beginning and i get why he did it and that's actually 
so noble. I thought it was genuinely emotional. And then and then that got and then they away. take it away. And yeah. I just feel like as an audience member, uh, you feel duped and you feel like emotionally manipulated at that point. And I just think it's a bad move. I think I think it was a I get that a yeah. bad move for the one character that we were really like rooting for because you know it's he's pulling for his child you know yeah it's it's i i don't know i don't know it's not the same as like when the elder is like oh did you think i would leave my grandson unprotected like that's the surprise that i think is like okay that's the level of surprise that's acceptable here that's the deus ex machina this guy who comes out of the shadow and of course he's left a bodyguard there you know but uh, uh yeah i don't know it, it, you know i'm probably getting into the weeds with it but that part really did irritate me because it was like this was the one like likable and pure character in here everybody else is a criminal a murderer mm-hmm. uh, uh assassin for hire a morally bankrupt person this is just a guy and this is a guy who just wants to save his son mm-hmm. like that's you know like uh it, so for me it was like this is the one character I think we have to pull for in this. And then all they really use them for is to manipulate the audience. It's sad. It was a, it, I'm, I'm hearing it, what you're saying yeah. now. I, I, I didn't really like pay that much attention to <laughs> Maybe it. I'm honestly, too but much like, attention to bullet train, but I, I think, uh, I, it was a problem that I had with this movie. Honestly, this, it, like, I, I understand like, like movie, criticism and stuff but at this like i'm not someone who's just like turn off your brain but at the same time this is the movie that i turn my brain off for like i i didn't really care about the plot i i was just like give me some to which i say if you want me to turn off my brain then don't put this character who's fighting for his son's life in here don't put this genuinely emotional emotional, you can't sneak that in and go see now i have a meaningful movie and then when you're questioned on it go well don't think about it you know like you can't have it both ways it's true you know it's like what the mcu does like all the time it's like oh that movie's silly because you know all the characters have magic powers and nobody can get hurt and they're like well you're not supposed to think about it and it's like Okay, but you want me to cry when the snap happens. Like you can't have it both ways. Like make it make sense, guys. <laughs> right? It's 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 a it's a thing I think we lean on too much. Uh it's my part of my irritation with like what the term popcorn movie has become mm-hmm. is people lean on that when they make a movie that uh that is just bad, but they don't want you to really think about how, not, not that this movie is bad. Right. But like, I, I, like Aquaman isn't a popcorn movie. It's a bad, it's movie. a bad movie. Right. <laughs> this <laughs> is a popcorn movie. I would classify this as a, a popcorn movie, as a thrill ride, as a, a fun, very stylized action movie. Yes. This, so this stylized. movie sets out to be this thing. And that's what it is. These things that I'm pointing out are just things that I was just sort of like, you reached a little far. You should have just stuck to these guys fighting their way through this train. Like, right. And, and, um, the, the part, everything else, I'm, I'm focusing on these things that annoyed me about it, but the things that I did like about it, I really liked. And I really thought this movie was a crazy amount of fun. Uh, and, and I think it has some great, fight choreography um it's just when you start getting into the weeds with the tug of war of like okay is this going to be an emotional movie or not this is my problem with john wick is i think john wick is very lacking in a lot of emotional follow-through after a certain point of that movie and it just becomes about shooting people and i don't even think the fight choreography of john wick in my opinion is not very interesting or I know people love the John Wick movies, to which I say, I'm glad. I'm I, glad. I'm glad you have like four of those movies. Like I will say, I love the club scene. Uh, uh, there's some great the, set pieces in that. There's some great world building in that. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, and go, "This is a very emotional story." And at the beginning, it is. But at a certain point, they just drop all the emotional baggage, and it just becomes about. And it's just sort of like, do you want me to really? Like be emotionally invested in this, or do you just want me to watch Keanu Reeves shoot people? Like, I, and 
And I think it's it's just sort of like a same thing here. I would even say like the Deadpool movies try to get emotional about things. Deadpool two is and, super and, emotional. And it like, is. I I I get what you're trying to do here, but I think you're starting to reach a little bit. You're stretching what this movie is. Yeah. And unless you're going to fully commit to straddling that line all the way through it, you're going to lose me with the back and forth at some point. You kind of got to pick one side. Right. I, back to your point about, uh, you said kind of like how he's, he's kind of more on the action side, less thinking about the writing. I, I agree with that, but I think it's a very smart that he didn't write this movie alone. You know, no, this no, is adapted yeah. from a book and it was co-written with someone. They worked together. I think everything about this really shows like how ingrained in the production he is. Oh, like, for sure. He's he hired people to help him write because he was like, I probably can't write he as knew, good an emotional story. He knew what he wanted to do in this movie. He knew mm-hmm. he wanted to showcase a bunch of stunts. And a, a bunch of cool fighting. And he just probably needed help connecting some of the dots. You know, right. he helped he helped write it, produced it. He got his friends to come be in the movie. I mean, yeah, I think I think it's super admirable. I'm, I'm, I'm bagging on this movie far more than it deserves. Because uh, problems aside, I keep saying it, this movie's a lot of fun. And I think this movie does succeed at what he was trying to make this movie be. Well, well that's the thing is, you, you're right. The writing is the weakest link in this chain. Sure. But like... It's the most inconsistent sure. thing in this okay. chain. Yes. I'm not even going to call it weak. It's just inconsistent. Like, like I, I want to call it bad. Like, it's still no, good no. writing. There, there's it's some just, really great dialogue yeah. in here. All of the Thomas the Tank Engine shit, it just Hilarious. made me laugh. And it has an incredible payoff when he finds the sticker oh, that on, diesel. on the print. I'm like, oh my god, that is fucking brilliant. You're a fucking diesel. That was what I was talking about with like having something run through the movie and having it pay off in such a satisfying way. Yes. Um, okay. You know, yeah. like, and I think I think that was brilliantly done. Honest to God. And that guy reminded me of that kid in my art class. Who would not stop talking about Thomas the Tank Engine? This and is I part mean of this, why I wanted to watch. I mean this, this in, in the most like loving way. I had this kid; he's on the spectrum, and he was fixated on Thomas the Tank Engine. This is when I taught art at uh, our local studio, uh, and this kid was awesome. And he told me the entire history of Thomas the Tank I Engine. I remember him. The yep. dark, the dark origins of Thomas the Tank Engine. This guy knew everything. About Thomas the Tank Engine, and he loved to share about it. And that that kid Bill was so fun to have in class. He was uh, great. I can, can uh, we show him this movie? But but uh, when he started talking about Thomas the Tank Engine, I'm like, oh my god, it's Bill from my class. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you something. Everything I learned about people, I learned from Thomas. That's really funny because it's like. It reminded me of, have you ever seen the stuff online of like uh, the Peanuts characters or the Winnie the Pooh characters? And mm-hmm. this is the the mental disorders the, or, sure, or the, sure, the yeah. character traits the that they represent. SpongeBob has that too, yeah. yeah and, and it's just like an extension of that that I never would have pegged. Like, here's this assassin who just loves Thomas the Tank Engine. And it has allowed him to read people and label people. Uh, in a way that benefits him, it's it's really fun. And his brother's so fed up with He's it. He's so too. over it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's good. Uh, I wanted to talk. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say about it other than it's good. But the lighting in this movie, like as the trains moving and the different cars, like everything about it is just like to the max. It's kind of like uh recent disney animation how they've like perfected kind of like this lighting yeah. i i feel like it's the same here like well it 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 is the aesthetic of this movie is really i think really interesting because it's like ultra futuristic mm-hmm. uh in a like japanese neon way 
So the lighting is bright. It's very saturated. And then you have all these weird, surreal things like the people in costumes, like the anime costumes. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Like for the the one train is, car for kids. It's just yeah. yes, all of this weird anime stuff, uh uh characters on the seats and uh, you know, graphics on the train everywhere. And it's just it makes for a really kind of surreal experience of the visuals of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that bleeds into like the lighting. Like this movie is mostly lit really well. Uh, until like the obvious CGI scene, you know what I mean? Like the You're talking in like the, the third act, the very kinda, yeah, the yeah. very end. Um, but like yeah, the the stuff in the train stations, the stuff like in the the streets of Tokyo at the very beginning when he's he's walking he's through, walking, yeah, and it's got that everything's neon, everything's bright, everything you know. It's this really cool aesthetic. Yes, I've never been to Japan, but it's always like what American movies show Japan as. Being, you know, uh, it's that techno kind of cyberpunk. It's almost look. got like a Blade Runner, uh, yeah. kind of, you know, because that's that is what, that same aesthetic. The Blade Runner, the original like Blade Runner aesthetic, is meant to have all this Japanese influence because in the eighties, you know, the big fear was Japanese takeover of America. Yeah, and and this was just sort of like, oh yeah, in, in San Francisco, uh, it's it's so Japanese now, you know, and um, but you get a lot of the same feel. They showed like, I think these girls had like these clear umbrellas, and I I just remember in Blade Runner they have like neon umbrellas, and it, it just reminded me so much of Blade Runner. That's cool. I, um, I another movie with that same kind of aesthetic is uh, this is a weird reference, but the second. Wolverine movie. Yeah. You remember that? In Japan. When he went yeah. to Japan. Yeah. That's not a bad movie until the end. It's the first two acts are a really good. There's movie. a really like good character story in that movie. I think that movie is like way underrated. Yeah. Um, but it really does fall apart at the end. I think that really hurts <laughs> that movie. It's better than the other Wolverine. Like the, the first, first one, the, the yeah. first, like the origin movie. I'm a big yeah. fan of that. Yeah. One. It's not great. Um, but yeah, it does. It does have that that aesthetic. There's like, uh, I always like in in America. I do want to go to Japan someday, you know. But I yeah. want to go to like the countryside of Japan. I want to go to Kyoto, where like the temples are Super and stuff scenic. like that. Yeah. Uh, but I always love that. Like, that's the part of that Wolverine movie is like he's out in the country, mm-hmm. and it's like American movies show Japan either in in okay. It's our Japanese country setting, and they all kind of look the same. And then they're like, okay, it's our Japanese city setting, and it, they're, it's all neon and shit. There's and no middle ground. No middle you're, ground. You're rural <laughs> or you're urban. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I think there's a, I think there's a really cool aesthetic to this movie. Um, and none of it is realistic. They're on a train. It never feels claustrophobic. It never feels like... Like closed it's in the and biggest narrow. Train possible. It's just like, sort of like, oh yeah, yeah. Just accept they're in this car and they're gonna fight through this uh, galley. Right. You know, which there's is, no employees ever at the bar car mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Like these completely it's, empty cars, and it's like what, so convenient. Is it like three people on this on this whole train <laughs> that aren't involved in this briefcase plot? It's, it's, it's so weird. Really weird. Um. But yeah, th- then there is a, an employee when it when they need like a, the comedic beat, like when they're fighting in the in the one water. car and the uh, I guess it's not a flight attendant, but like the Train lady with the drink yeah. card, and and it's just like they they stop and it's like let me get a water. <laughs> yeah. Makes the like, other guy pay for yes. it. <laughs> I gave two hundred. I gave my last money to that guy to wear my hat and glasses, which was like a really funny, uh, that whole bit was really funny Shining with Channing Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie is full of like... It's it's a comedy. Yeah. And uh, like even the, the, the Sandra Bullock thing, uh, mm-hmm. like I recognized her voice, but I couldn't figure out who it was until she shows up at the end. I'm like, oh, of course, like Sandra Bullock. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> but, I don't know. I'm just thinking of Ocean's 8. Like, mm-hmm. that's her now. Yeah. She's a spy in everything. And, uh, you know, Brad Pitt was uh, in 
all the other Oceans movies. And they did that... Um, See, I didn't watch the male Oceans movies. I know. Uh, Cancel me now. Strictly female. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were in that... What was the movie? Uh, it's like a year ago. Like Daniel Radcliffe's in it. And they're like in the jungle. I know. You know what I'm talking I, yeah. about? It's about like a romance writer. It's like romancing like, yeah. the stone uh, update or whatever. And they were both in that. And it's just sort of like, oh my God, like these people. It's just like one of those weird, like old school Hollywood movies where they just get everybody to be in it. Like, um, I'm trying to think, like, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Or, uh, say old school, like that's the 70s, but like, where they just got everybody who worked for the studio to come be in this movie and like do I, cameos and things like that. I, I think we're getting back to that in Hollywood. Like uh, they're they're making, are making so many movies, of these huge yeah. ensemble casts. Right, just like we'll throw the rock in there. Why not? Like, right, and some of these directors like that who just are. I think directors like this who have. I mean, I think it's really cool. Uh, my criticisms of him aside, that David Leach has worked his way through these other aspects of film before he becomes a director. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now he's leading a production. It's kind of like when somebody at your job gets hired as a manager, but they've never worked the jobs of the people they're managing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like this is a guy who's worked his way into the director's chair and understands all these other aspects of film. He has these great relationships, not only with these actors. You imagine he has relationships with writers, with producers. I'm sure, the whole with crew. With cinematographers and, and all, you know, and knows all these other stunt performers and can pull all this stuff off. It's really, mm. really impressive. Um, And that this is the end result. My... Gripes with it aside, I think the the biggest, uh, I, I'm complaining about this movie in this note, but I'm also like complimenting in this. Uh, nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. No one is good. Uh, and the plot is flimsy, but this movie knows what it is. Like, and, and I think, I think David Leach, for the most part, made the movie that he set out to make with this and mm-hmm. was able to do it because he understands how to make a movie. At least the process of making a movie. Yeah, I think that's fair. And all the moving parts that that go into that. Um, It's a good uh, summary of it. Kind of. It is, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, uh, What do you got here? Uh, Samurai movie influences and Asian cinema. What do you you have that as a note in there? I I I just kind of wrote that. uh, It's there for sure. Yeah, I I didn't have any direct kind of comparisons that I could think of because I haven't seen like a bunch of samurai Mm -hmm. movies, but I'm sure there's like some direct shot for shot or i think there's a lot of inspiration in the aesthetics there there's a lot of it you know of course they end up fighting with swords at the end um you know the the elder is he's wearing a suit but it's it's very like flowy he has like an overcoat yeah uh and he has like his hair kind of in a like half top knot kind of thing um and then i i do think there's a real like samurai moment when uh when the guy sacrifices himself when the 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 father sacrifices himself for his son like the idea of sacrifice in samurai movies is like falling really huge yeah Yeah. or or you know ritual suicide or or whatever you know like it's it's all kind of in there i i think there's i think it's hard to have an action movie set in japan that isn't in some way calling out to samurais, you know, whether it be just having a sword or something like that. Like it's, it's kind of like it's straight to where the mind goes. If, if they're in Japan making action movies set in America, you know, there's just a fuck ton of guns everywhere. <laughs> just being, oh, Americans, they love their guns. And, G.I. Joe. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just a ridiculous, like, 
uh, you know, I mean, stereotype, but also real. And, you know, like there's a lot of cultural significance to like samurai still in Japan in some, in some ways, you know, like even, uh, uh, the, the, I remember seeing some like documentary about like the kamikaze pilots in World War II and a lot of them like ha- carried samurai swords with them. They were just sort really? of like, this is this, it was just very like, just kind of trying symbolic. to carry this, yes, carry yeah. this tradition of like sacrificing and, and, you know, dying with okay. honor and, you know, not at all about being brainwashed by a <laughs> military industrial complex to be cannon fodder <laughs> for the axis of evil. But um, yeah, like, it, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely there. Um, and like we said, just the aesthetics of Japan, even modern day Japan, I think it just sort of brings a lot of that stuff to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, and of course, with like the final showdown yeah. between two, Highly skilled swordsmen, like it makes sense. And the the flashbacks to like when the white was it the white death? Yeah, that, when the white death is like fighting all the Japanese gangsters, they're working his way up, and he's yeah. like in, they're in the temple, and it's snowing, and it's just it's just very <laughs> You've got like the petals and everything. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a very like uh, samurai aesthetic kind of thing. Okay, um, but yeah, yeah, it's there. It's all there. I think this this movie very intentionally takes place in Japan, partly because for some reason we're against high speed rail here in the United States. <laughs> if, you, if you need a bullet train for your story, you have to it's go to Japan. Be in Japan. But I, I think they they really leaned in on on the Japanese aesthetics, whether they're mm-hmm. stereotypical or not. But they all work for what this movie is. Yeah, it's all there. It all yeah. coalesces together for sure. I think that's all I've got on this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not uh, the the last thing I have, and this is a, you can take this as a criticism or not. Uh, a lot of this felt like a uh, not the action stuff, but like the dialogue stuff. It felt like a '90s or early 2000s era Quentin Tarantino knockoff. After Pulp Fiction came out, mm-hmm. and I uh, did Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, um, and then actually, yeah, Kill Bill. Would have been right around the late 90s or early 2000s. And there was this wave of like, oh, I'm going to do cool dialogue where people talk mm-hmm. about pop culture stuff and are all flippant about killing people. And it, like, that's what a lot sure. of this felt like. Um, and a lot of that stuff didn't work. A lot of that stuff was blatantly like, please notice me. I'm doing Quentin Tarantino stuff too. This wasn't like pick me attitude like that. It was. I don't think it's atrocious in this. Film, no, 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 no. Like. I'm, that, that's not. I'm saying it reminds me of that, but this is done better than ninety percent of those movies were. Oh, okay. Like, uh, I can probably count on one hand the the Tarantino stuff that was good, or the, the Tarantino knockoff stuff that was actually mm-hmm. good in that era. And most of that stuff is because it was Elmore Leonard adaptations, and Elmore Leonard kind of invented snappy modern snappy dialogue in his books way before Tarantino came on. It was sort of like the original. Uh, it, Tarantino was almost knocking him off. Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? So like when they were adapting his stuff like out of sight uh, and then Tarantino made Jackie Brown, which was from an Elmore Leonard novel, it was almost like a full circle thing. And then it was almost like a closed circle thing. Like no one else can do this well. <laughs> um, but I think... This, I, I do think imitating I think this one, someone that's I think, like... You're gonna wind up not doing yeah, their dialogue I mean, it's, as well. It's flattery. I I was at the time uh, taking a shot at my first screenplay, and I was doing it. I was gonna be the Tarantino guy too, and I had funny jokes to put in my dialogue too, and crazy characters. It was all terrible. It was all just just absolute shit. Um, but uh, I think this movie is doing something that reminds me of that, but it's doing it. I think in its own way. I think mm-hmm. I think they have their own fingerprints on it to have the assassins uh, talk about Thomas the Tank Engine and why are our code names fruits mm-hmm. and they're twins. Are they really twins? And then they have a flashback and they're little kids together. And I get it. Like 
yes, a family can look like anything. It's just a funny, ongoing joke. And then you mm -hmm. go, oh, no, they really are brothers, whether by blood or anything else. Like, yeah. these guys really are close. And and you get a, 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 a slight impression of a uh, emotional moment with that, too. I think there's a yes. little bit of weight with the brothers, too. And and I I do think it's uh I do think it's legitimately sad when uh Tangerine dies. It it is I, sad. You know, I feel bad and, for Lemon. Yes, I do too. And uh, I I and like that uh she's hit by a Tangerine truck at the end, <laughs> but I don't like that it was Lemon driving it. I would have rather had it just be this random, random thing. You know, this random freak accident. And have tangerines rolling out of there and just sort of be like pretty from funny. beyond the grave kind of thing. I he think somehow would. did it. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's valid. I The funniest bit of dialogue in this movie, I think, is the scene where uh, Lemon and Tangerine are arguing about how many kills they did on the job to, yeah. to get the sun back. And they're like, 16, no 17. Like, that was... They I, go through the flashback counting. That was... That was Okay, I didn't love that, but I do know what they were doing, and I like that they used this as a device. They're sort of like, yeah, this is what we're doing in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, they were just sort of going, this is the kind of stylized bullshit we're doing here. Let's have fun with this. And, like, the, why do you guys have swords? You know, these kind of, like, little it's, asides it's, and counting it's out like, loud. It's not a fourth wall break, but it's a creative use of it's that a, kind of right. thing. It's kind of like what Family Guy does, I'll be... Family Guy, like n not great, but like I do like, like the sometimes cut, the cut the, scenes, the, cut scenes yeah. the the way they do it. Yeah. I think I think the way this movie does it is really clever. I'll be it doesn't do it as often as Family Guy, but yes. you know um. the water bottle was also funny. Just <laughs> water, in the middle of a the dramatic water bottle fight was, scene, the water bottle was clever. I think it was placed incorrectly somewhere. I would have liked to see that. Over the end credits, just the the journey of the water bottle. That would somehow. be kind of funny. Um, I I feel like it was a little bit forced, just because there was no real good way place to put that in timing wise. Uh, yeah, you know I, what I mean. Like I get, I, I get what they were doing, and it was it was clever and it was fun. Um, we'll give them props for it. Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, it was what it was. And again, I we hit on it a couple of times. I think Brad Pitt is really funny. I think I think he's really really good in this movie. Um, even it's it's not. I I uh, I think Brad Pitt is an incredible actor. I think he really does some great stuff. One of my favorite characters of his ever is Cliff Booth from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's not even my favorite Tarantino movie, but I think Cliff Booth is one of the great all time characters. All right, uh, but I just think he's having so much. He. He's, his energy in this is the same as it is in, like, Ocean's Eleven. Like, mm -hmm. he's hanging out with his friends and making this movie and just having fun with it. Real like, casual. Just, yeah. right. Everything is just sort of like, hey, this is cool. Like, like we're having a good time with this. Let's right. let's do this. I'm playing with this weird toilet. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, toilet, just, like, the just... toilet was funny. <laughs> he's very fascinated with the toilet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, th I thought he was great in this. I thought he was really fun. And he, and he refuses to use the gun. And later on, he refers to himself as MacGyver when he rigs the door shut. Yes. I thought that was very clever because MacGyver, his thing was that he didn't use guns uh, on, on the old MacGyver TV Did not show. realize that. Uh, okay. yeah, but, um. Although, uh, was... did you notice when he finally uses a gun, he ends up shooting an innocent person for no reason. An innocent person. Well, okay, he's Dude, still an assassin. They they derailed but, an entire train uh, uh in this movie. No, I'm t I'm talking about when he shoots uh Tangerine. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm talking about Tangerine's the, not the villain. I mean I'm talking about the 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 body count of innocent people in this okay, movie. Sure, sure. When they they crash several trains in this movie. <laughs> okay, with your quote unquote morals. 
And then at the end, they're just like, well, as long as we live, I guess we're lucky. And yeah, but. I'm just trying to point out, you know, yes. he he yes. messed up with the gun. Well, I like, I like his, of... his whole trip of like, oh, no, you know, don't be so negative. I love his self-help trip and his mm-hmm. sort of like kind of a pacifist um, because he doesn't actively kill anybody in this movie. Yeah. Like, everything is an accident. You know, the the knife bounces off the briefcase and kills uh, the wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, forget about it. And, and the snake kills the horn. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just like this, this weird thing where he's like, oh, I'm totally unlucky. I'm like, dude, you've killed, like, ten people in this movie without actually... Just by chance. <laughs> actually meaning to so yeah wait you don't carry another vial of anti-venom that was what that was pretty good and the the payoff of him getting bit by the snake yes like it was was, he's like no it's fine i've already had a dose of anti-venom really really i mean that stuff was that's great scripting i think and and that's the stuff they did really well Um, all right you want to close this out or yeah let's close this out i think i think we've We've hit all the points that we needed. That's to. right. Last stop on the bullet train. That's right. That's right. Um, where's this take us to? Uh, shout out shout station. Outs? Okay. Uh, what do you got for us? Shout out station. Good one. I'm keeping with the train uh, metaphor. Um, I am going to shout out. I know we usually shout out uh, smaller independent things, but okay. I think this is a relatively small, overlooked uh, TV show. On Netflix, it is called Flaked. It is okay. uh, it stars and is created by Will Arnett and co-created by Mitch Hurwitz, who uh, was a producer of Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Flaked is uh, about a man named Chip who lives in Venice, California, and he is a recovering alcoholic. And it is all about... Um, his kind of day-to-day and trying to keep his store open, trying to keep corporate interests out of Venice, and trying to keep his personal life on track as he works the program, sometimes doesn't work the program, lies to his friends. Uh, it's, It's a great showcase of what recovery is like. It's a great showcase of what uh, self-destructive behavior a lot, a lot of addicts can't get out of their way. It's not a judgment call for anyone who's new to the show. I'm a uh, long time sober and I know about this behavior and it is a real thing. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's a, it is a funny show, but I think it's also a very sad show. It sounds very dramatic for it's, it being, there's a, a there's a, a lot of stuff in there that is really, really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but then there's, you know, a, a joke and even like a dark joke that will make you laugh about the situation. It's it's it is more dramatic, you know. I know these guys come from Arrested Development. Will Arnett is Lego Batman. He's this big comedy guy, and the show is really funny. But it also, I, I think, deals with some real uh, serious things and some real things that uh, addicts and alcoholics deal with. And I, I, I just think it's a really, um, I, it, it's been on my list for a long time and I finally watched it. I watched the whole thing in like a week, a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, they're short, they're like half hour episodes. It's two seasons and I found it to be a really, really satisfying show. And, um, it's one of those, I've, I've never heard anybody talk about it. Um, it's never been up front on like the banner of Netflix, you know right. what I mean? It's not it's one not of those a show that they push, ones. right? Yeah, and it's one of those shows that I'm sort of like, this is one of the better Netflix shows I've ever seen. Uh, so I I would urge you, uh, you don't have to be an alcoholic to enjoy the show. Um, if you are, you get a, you'll connect with it a little more. I it may also trigger the shit out of you, well, but. Uh, I, I really recommend it. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it's um I think it's a really interesting show and it walks that I don't know if you ever watch a show that you're like, I don't know how this manages to be 
sad and hilarious at the same time. It's one of those. I Barry um, for me. Barry like, uh, Barry's a like pretty that. decent comparison, actually. Uh, but this is more grounded in in real people, right? And okay. real people problems. But yeah, that's uh, that's, that's flaked. It it is on Netflix, and it's a Netflix show. Uh, so it should be there. I would think wherever you are uh, in the yeah. world. So till they remove it from their platform forever, just because they just because, decide they want yeah, to. Yeah, uh, we need more server space to we get another get a tax uh, cut. Yeah, something. Anyway, uh, that's flaked. Check it out. Good stuff. What do you got, Oz? Uh, I've got a book. I wanted to kind of shout out uh, Neil Gaiman, who. Very unheard of. Another underdog uh, author, yeah. But uh, this is one of his anthology short uh, short story collections, uh, and it's called Trigger Warning. Uh, it's a lot of spooky, kind of unnerving stories. Uh, some of them are like very mildly scary, or just kind of like more surreal. Uh, but some of them are pretty dark. But I I really like. Each and every one of the stories I've read so far in the book. Good. Uh, so I thought that might be something that people want to check out. Even though we're nowhere near Halloween. Uh, you don't have to be near Halloween to read horror. Or to watch right. horror. It's very true. Uh, so yeah, if you're into reading, check out uh, Trigger Warning. I have that book, uh, but I think I only have it on Kindle. Okay. And I think I've only read a couple passages from it. I need to get it. I really... Alright. I don't like reading on my Kindle very much. Uh, Valid. I, I, I think do, a lot of people feel that way. And a lot of people feel the reverse. I, like very strongly. No, no. I get it. Like, it's... I just... Um, yeah, I always prefer a page or... Uh, for fiction, audio. I, I mm. like audiobooks. But I don't like reading off the screen. A whole lot. So okay. I think that's one of those books I got. I maybe read a couple of stories and I'm like, I, I can't do this whole thing in on Kindle. All right. Well, um, if you need to borrow it from me, I, I might, stole because, it from my fiance. So I, you can get the physical oh, copy. Oh, it's the Canadian version? Oh, man. There's no French in it, I promise. <laughs> Trigger warning for French Trigger people. warning <laughs> French Canadians. <laughs> Sorry, JF. <laughs> goodness all right on that note we're gonna get out of here and we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the picture show with austin and phil rude if you enjoy our show please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice it helps our visibility it helps us grow the show that's right and another way to help us grow the show is to tell your friends about us i mean how lucky how how much pure luck would your friend have to be gifted an amazing podcast to listen that, to yeah, that friend for free would, that friend would probably be surrounded by ladybugs who that's are clearing right. up all the bad luck for them that's like winning the lottery five times over so tell your friends about us uh, and better their day all right what do you got for us next week next guys week our is, dual feature uh, rounding out the double feature that we're starting with bullet train uh, I'm going to keep it on the action movie, uh, train tracks. We're watching Snowpiercer. We're watching, Ooh. uh, not the TV show. We're watching the actual, uh, uh, movie Snowpiercer. Nice. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I love, uh, spoiler alert. I love this movie. I think it's one of the great action movies of the past I would say decade, but it might be older than that now. Anyway, Snowpiercer. Uh, another movie about fighting your way through a train. That is an accurate summary. Uh, if you have not seen it, I honestly, I honestly don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Uh, but tough to say. I'm sure it is available to rent or to buy. Uh, and I recommend doing that and watching along with us because Snowpiercer is a lot yeah. of fun. I, I'm looking forward to that, and I want to hear more about the connections between the two movies. But I, I can sure. see pretty clearly where we're going with this. Cool, cool. So yeah, um, it's it's not a it's not a deep connection. It really, uh, I'll I'll, I'll spoil it now, uh, and we'll we'll I'm sure talk more about 
the comparison next week. It, it is literally just because it's another movie about fighting your way through a train. I mean, you like, could have you could have picked snakes on a plane. This uh, is snakes on a train. I no, there I'm were a couple other like moving, constantly moving action movies yes. that I thought of, but I thought this would be good because I think these two are very tonally different, and we can they're they're similar and different, and we can compare that. No, I'm looking so, forward to that. That's yeah, a really that, good. That is, that is next week. Uh, uh, Snowpiercer. Uh, check it out. Watch along with us and uh, enjoy our double feature with us. We are both doing less social media these days. Detoxing. Uh, <laughs> speaking of recovery. Uh, yeah, so uh, we have decided the best way to get a hold of us uh, is with good old-fashioned email. That's right. Uh, if you want to contact us, tell us your thoughts about a movie, about our show, or just like a random topic. What do you think about this movie? Uh, please message us, uh, and you can do that at austinandphil at gmail.com. Really simple, easy to remember. Austin and Phil, gmail. Uh, you can message us there. your name was first, but... Uh, uh, yeah, you know, no, I knew uh, you would say uh, something <laughs> like that. I knew it. <laughs> Bill and Austin was actually taken. I checked. As was the picture show. No, that's austinandphil at gmail.com. Just send us, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of our apps are not on our phones anymore or Mm -hmm. are on and off of them. You can message us through there. We just don't check them as consistently as we did. Uh, uh, The old Gmail account is... I, I think the a good move for it's us. It's a safe so, bet, yes. and we'll we'll make sure to get back to you. Sure. So. And um, yeah, any thoughts you have on the show, uh, put them in a review or send them to and or send them to us uh, right. through the Gmail. And with that, what do you think about Bullet Train? Let us let know. us know. Absolutely, we would love to hear your thoughts about that and on um, its pairing with Snowpiercer. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, austinphil at gmail.com. Email us. Talk to us. Us. Would you like to read the credits? Yep. We did it all ourselves. There you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. Mm-hmm.